Hello and welcome to series two of the My Little Coco podcast. I am so happy to be back. I have an amazing lineup of guests for this series and I cannot wait for you to hear them. For those of you that are new to the show, in this podcast, I speak to my guests about their parenting journeys, what they've learned along the way and what they still need to figure out. We'll be talking about sleep, mostly the lack of it, the importance of well-being, the myths around breastfeeding and everything else in between. I'll be getting as many tips and tricks from my guests about how to find these balances because let's face it, they're not little for long. Right, let's start the show. I feel so lucky to be joined by my guest today, a Sunday Times best-selling author, host of her own podcast, The Moments That Made Me, and an expert in manifesting. She has changed not only her own life, but so many others too. She is also a mother to her gorgeous little boy, Wolf. Here is Roxy Nafusi on the My Little Coco podcast. Well, this is nice. Thank you so much for doing this. I kind of, I feel like we speak, but it's, it's, it's really weird. I feel like I need to just arrange, arrange podcasts with all of my friends so I can actually have like real life chats with them. You know what I, I mean? totally get it. <laughs> like there's no time. I know. Can we start by talking about your childhood? Yes. First, because I kind of, I'm always so intrigued as to whether people parent similarly to the way that their parents did with them. Mm, oh my gosh. Yeah. Do you know what? I don't think I've ever really spoken about my childhood. Right. This is the first. Oh my no. gosh. We're straight That's in. Nice. All right. Straight in. Um, no, my childhood was very, very different. Mm-hmm. So my dad is literally the smartest person you've ever met. Like mm-hmm. hyper, hyper intelligent. Um, but he has pretty much no empathy like he's not emotional in that way right there was never any I love yous there was never cuddle okay there was never interaction mm-hmm. he was kind of working on do you remember teletext oh my like, look- gosh that would be like my mum would be like <laughs> yeah. should we book a holiday on teletext <laughs> Love that. Yeah, like looking at the shares. The lottery numbers. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> On Teletech. Yes, I remember yes. that well. <laughs> so that was kind of, so there wasn't, there wasn't that closeness um, right. from that side. And then my mum is incredibly loving. You know, I come from like an Arab family, mm. so it's like big family meals every day. Oh, I love that. But she's, you know, we're Arab, very hot headed. Um, you know, she does suffer, has suffered from depression mm. all my life. And so... I was definitely never taught happiness. Like, happiness wasn't something I knew. My siblings were much older than me. My brother and sister are 12, 13 years older than me. My other sister, Ran, is five years older than me. And there wasn't a sense of, like, play at home. Okay. You know, there wasn't... Oh, my God, I actually feel like I'm going to cry. Oh, It's really amazing. Well, you can cry if you need to cry. Yeah, it was not... um, it wasn't like a, yeah, I spent a lot of time on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, my God, sorry. No, you're good. You're good. <laughs> Safe space. Um, thank you. So, yeah, so it was, it was, you know, it was in a happy place. And I think I definitely grew up, I grew up not happy um, and school. Sorry. Wow. School was not um, like an escape for me because I was... Such an outsider, you know, Iraqi, a very different wow. lifestyle. Mm. We didn't celebrate Christmas, like things like that. Like, yeah. I, I couldn't relate. So to there's a lot that with. you missed out on. Yeah. And I felt that. I, was I suppose in school, not necessarily totally. for you and your beliefs, but at school, there's a there's a big portion of totally. life that doesn't involve you. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And I feel that I felt like an outsider there and was and was treated as such very oh. much, you know, where in, in where I grew up and. Um, got really badly bullied, like really terribly, um, moved schools. And I moved schools because, um, you know, my name is actually Rowan and I wanted to change my identity. Like I was rejecting who I was from my wow. young, like from then. And so I but changed. From what age? I was 12 when I changed my name to Roxy. Wow. So I thought if if people, if I introduced myself as Roxy, people wouldn't associate me with being different, with being Arabic. Okay. So there was that rejection. And the name for you really did that. Yeah. You know, Rowan. People mm-hmm. knew then I was different. Which is a beautiful name oh, to thank me. You. <laughs> you thank know, you. It's, it's funny, isn't yeah. it? What you yeah. feel and what 
things I suppose you want to strip mm -hmm. that at some parts of your life that now that you're so proud I can imagine yeah. of your identity but it's a really it's, it's a funny thing growing up and being different I felt that to a degree mm. I remember growing up in I grew up outside of London I grew up in Essex I was raised by my mum my dad wasn't present at all mm. and going to school in my class it was it was a white area a white school mm. I think in my in, I definitely know in my year, pretty much in my school, it was literally me and Priya Patel that, 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 that you know, were the outsiders. Right. And that was that. And I kind of, a lot of it I was oblivious to because my mum celebrated it so much. Right. Like she sort of really tried. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, there'd be moments. I remember watching a video once about adoption. And I've actually never spoken about this before. But I watched a video about adoption. We were learning, you know, different things at school and how that looked. And, you know, the little girl in the video was black. And I remember storming up and the and the parents were white because that's how they taught about adoption, which is bizarre, you know. Yeah. Which, I, which actually wouldn't happen now, to yeah. be honest. It wouldn't. And it was like a cartoon of a little black girl and the, the parents were white and the mum was blonde. And I remember thinking, oh, my gosh, that makes sense now. I'm adopted. <laughs> and my mum yes. picked me up from school. Mom. And I was like at the gates. I actually remember it. I was probably like nine. And I remember storming up and being like, I'm adopted. I've learned. You didn't tell me. She was like... <laughs> And I remember she, her going into the school and she, she was really upset about it. Really upset about it. Oh, Not that obviously that would have mattered, but that's how I, you know, yeah. that's what we were taught. And I kind of didn't really understand my identity. Mm -hmm. I think it can be a really strange time for a child when you don't feel that sense of belonging. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's tough. And I mean, mm. we're just trying to like figure out who we are. And I think that all of that feeling like I didn't fit in really followed me throughout my life wow, yeah um it's so funny because actually I went to this event last night and I remember I used to go to things like that and just constantly feel like I'm such a loser like what am I doing here like everybody thinks I'm like every, like just so self-conscious and I remember like this morning I was on the phone to Paula so my best friend and manager and I said I uh I just felt really confident in myself. I, I didn't. That. I didn't feel like I didn't belong, and I thought, wow. "Oh yes," and I felt so proud of that. That's so amazing. it's actually really nice that we're having this conversation the full now. Circle yeah, <laughs> yeah. Are, are you close with your family now? Obviously, you said when you were younger, it's kind of it was mm -hmm. it was a, a I suppose a different time. Yeah, not how you would set up your household, perhaps now. Yeah. Are you close with your family? I know that I see a lot that you're very close with your sister. Yeah, I'm really, really close with my sister, my brother, my other sister. Siblings are really close. Mm -hmm. um, really close with my mum. Um, but my mum is like oblivious. I think, God bless her. Like, she still doesn't know that I've ever drank alcohol. Um, <laughs> but my dad is like our relationship changing has probably been the most incredible thing. I mean, my dad, you know, all my family are doctors, my siblings, and I was just like... You know, I was I was an addict. I was doing nothing with my life. He was not proud, to say the least. Um, and I think my dad's quite fickle because now I'm successful. He absolutely loves me. I'm the favourite child. <laughs> Everybody knows I'm the favourite. He never stops going on about me. Listen well, this to has changed. All my interviews, like absolutely, just sits on Google. He's retired. He's that 78 so now. He is the sweetest man on earth, and he's he's really changed. Like as he's got older, yeah. He's so soft. He's so gentle. He's, um, it's really beautiful. And I actually have so much to thank him for because he absolutely instilled like a work ethic in me. Yes. He, um, his tough love did pay off in the end, I think. And he was teaching about quantum physics from literally the age of five. He was not asking That's me how unreal. my day at school was, but he was teaching me <laughs> physics. That's amazing. And now I'm very grateful Yeah, now that. you get that. Now you're like, okay, that's pretty epic. But yeah. it's kind of also, I think, in certain ways, we, especially parents and our elders, there was a lot of pressure. And in certain communities, I know that, you know, coming from an Iranian background, mm -hmm. your dad would probably feel pressure to come and be here and, you know, have a great job. And I think you want you want the best for your children. And in, in their day, which, you know, makes... I'm mm -hmm. ad, adding age to him. But in their day, that's what success was. And that's, that's how that was valued. So you... I get it, you know. If you want the best for your child... To them, that was the best, right? Yeah, yeah totally. Be a doctor, be a lawyer, be 100%. a... 100%. Yeah. And I think even when I went into kind of this 
industry, he really di- didn't think I would succeed. And I think has really been surprised and gone, wow, you took the risks and actually mm-hmm. the risk paid off. Um, so, yeah. And it's, you know, I think with all of us, you know, we all have fractured parents with our relationships in some level. Even yeah. if we feel we had a really good relationship mm-hmm. with them. There are things that there's a poem called by Philip Larkin and it says they fuck you up, your mom and dad. They don't mean to, but they do. <laughs> and it's like, and it's kind of true. Yeah. Um, but I think the important it's, thing it's is, yeah, but the important thing is not to hold like resentment or anger. Yeah. Everybody is doing their best. Yeah. And the generation before us did not have the kind of tools that we do now. And so I think being able to understand your past and how that's informing who you're becoming is really important. Mm -hmm. But doing that without blame or resentment or anger and actually just a place of acceptance. Yeah. Um, Because we can't change what's happened, but we can change what's coming. Touching on that, it's such a nice full circle moment, as we just said before, that you're at that event last night feeling... Mm super confident and that sense of belonging like it takes a while to get there doesn't it I want to talk about because I know you were really young when you went to your first NA meeting Mm. right and you've been open and you know spoke about this before what was the point in your life that took you there when when did you know that was the right decision for you Mm. so I didn't I didn't start drinking really till I left school. I mean, I tried a WKD bottle when I was like 15. Oh my gosh, Dove. Would you remember them? Yeah. That's, that's nostalgic. Yeah. <laughs> I remember being an I was like, this feels kind of nice. But it wasn't that. I mean, it was very anti-alcohol in my house, obviously. My mum is a really strict Muslim. Do you so, think by any way that opened up your curiosity to it? I think that when you are told so... so so strictly to be against something it goes two ways either you carry that fear around it or you indulge in it because Mm -hmm. you're like rebelling in Mm -hmm. some way Mm -hmm. and I think I obviously did that Mm -hmm. um but yeah I kind of started drinking after I left school really and it was an escape it was an escape from the self-loathing and the pain and the like unbelievably low self-worth and it became kind of the only time I was I felt anything I don't think I realized I was depressed I thought I was just quite and I thought I was just a really cold ice queen person I thought you know ice queen was kind of how I would have described myself now I just see I was suffering from depression so I was not able to feel emotions properly I was like numb and do you think that's because typically like you know when we grew up when we were younger the conversation around mental health mm. and depression. Mm. Do you think there was there wasn't enough knowledge and information around it or in the media or publicly that you mm. could probably relate to, right? Yeah, there was none. I think you you thought that if you had depression, you were mentally ill, as in mm. mentally unstable, would be in a mental institute mm-hmm. or on medication, mm-hmm. you know, that was it. It was very extreme, the idea, I think, of depression or I didn't yeah. even know what anxiety was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so you wouldn't you wouldn't ever want to say to yourself, I'm suffering from depression. That would almost be, you know, you'd have wanted you'd judge yourself for it. So yeah. you'd avoid putting those labels on it. Um but looking back now, of course, I was suffering from depression. I was numb. I was so I had I didn't know joy all those years and then you find drugs mm. and suddenly you feel something um and I think in fact I because I started I suppose I was at like 18 19 and I went to my first NA meeting when which I, is so wise by the way yeah it's that that is like so wise and yeah and and actually maybe ultimately you were more in tune with yourself than you actually I think so. gave yourself credit for because a lot of people would say oh, you're not that bad. There's always someone worse than you. The thing is with being in like London and in these hedonistic circles, there's always people that can go, you're not that bad. You're not as bad as so-and-so or you're not doing it every day or you're not doing it in the morning. And And that's probably out of a place of love, but that's really not helpful. (laughs) How bad do you want me to get then? Exactly. (laughs) And the thing is, the same with addiction as it is with depression. Like addiction, if depression doesn't, can come in like all forms and maybe it's about actually recognize it before it gets to the real extreme Mm -hmm. 
And the same with addiction. We don't have to wait till we're drinking as when we wake up in the morning to realise, hey, I have a problem. Yeah. And it doesn't I need have to, to be a, as bad as X of a person no. to go, actually, I'm no. really suffering here. If you're relying on something and if you keep saying, I'm not going to do something. I remember Jason Bale, I went to his juice retreat and he said... Oh, he's so clever, by the he's way. He's so oh great. Oh my gosh, he's and, so clever. And he said, if you were told you could never have a banana again because bananas were like making you sick, they're affecting your social life, your relationship, all these things. Would you ever eat a banana again? No, like I wouldn't because I'm not addicted to bananas. Like, <laughs> Unfortunately. Forget not. the bananas, yeah. whatever. But if it's some, the say, you say the same thing about whether it's cigarettes or alcohol and drugs and the thought of not doing it again fills you with like fear and dread mm. and there's no way you could live your life without it, then surely that's a sign that it has some control over you. And so that for me was really... Was Telling. Ah, like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, And it had got actually in a really short space of time, really out of control. Mm. And I recognise that my behaviours were quite, it was bad. It was really bad. Mm -hmm. and, and then it was really bad. And then I went to NA when I was 21, 22, went for a bit. Obviously, it did not work for me because I was then back in the cycle. And then I didn't go back again until I was 27. And I went to AA instead, um, which was better for me. But in the end, what got me... I suppose I say sober. I mean, I still drink moderately. Mm -hmm. I just never, ever have more than two drinks. I hate <laughs> the idea of being drunk. Mm -hmm. um, but what, what, what changed me in the end, I think the pregnancy, getting pregnant with Wolfie was this forced time. Yeah. Where... So did that happen? Did you fall pregnant with Wolfie whilst you were still in that place? Yeah. So it was a really kind of like, touchy time I suppose because I had hit my rock bottom mm -hmm. in May 2018 like rock rock I was still like really in that place of addiction then I discovered manifesting two weeks later Wade messages me but I'm still when Who's I was Wolfie's dad, Wolfie's yeah. dad mm -hmm. when I started dating Wade I was secretly going to the bathroom and doing drugs on all our dates and he had no idea wow and then eventually I told him, and you know when you're falling in love with someone and you're talking all night and he really held that safe space for me and I was like, this is what's going on. That's I'm so really, special. really trying to give up and I really want to change my life. And at that point I thought I'm going to be a yoga teacher and I really want to try. Um, but I couldn't. And I actually, and, I, and still in those couple of months, I still had a few relapses I mean I, I, if you call it that mm -hmm. um so I definitely wasn't over it and then all of a sudden I find out I'm two months pregnant and wow. I've only known Wade three months and then I had and I was still smoking over 20 cigarettes a day so suddenly I had to give up everything and because that was you were in that situation yeah I was like there's no to. choice yeah and then all the pain came out Wow. All that pain I'd been suppressing for Whilst the last being 27 years. And hormonal. Yeah. And so I turned to food mm -hmm. and I, it was the darkest time of my life. I did, every day was just pure hell on earth for oh. me mentally. Like I just, it was so hard to be alive. Every day was a struggle. And I think now, I feel like I have now more compassion for that person that was mm. pregnant because of course like when you've been escaping from yourself for your whole life yeah and then putting the band-aid on the band-aid on the band yeah yeah and then you and then it stripped and then I'm also having a baby with someone that I don't really know like I'd known him three months he knew no one in London I had no money he had no money I was like what are we gonna do so it was a combination of a lot of things mm -hmm. and I really worried in that pregnancy you know will it affect Wolfie like will my depression and mental health affect who Wolfie becomes and I am so, so, so happy to say that Wolf is a bundle oh. of joy. Like, he is pure heaven. He he doesn't have any, like, you know, all kids are different. And I think that he doesn't have any of that inside, like, rage or anger. I don't feel, like, any frustration from him. Mm -hmm. He's kind of... And so I'm just so happy it didn't seem to affect him. And what, what I mean... Obviously, everyone's baby to them is like <laughs> the most perfect, you know, blessing. But what a bloody blessing that he yeah. came into your life when he did, in the way that he did. Yeah, he changed everything. He, he is my lucky charm. Everything good happened in my life since Wolfie was born. Okay, so... 
what I am trying to do this series is kind of give every episode a topic Mm -hmm. a bit of a focus and with you it feels right because I feel like you're my wellness soul sister (laughs) we are (laughs) we are we We just we 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 love it wellness and doing the right thing for you Mm -hmm. which I know you've you've spoken about before and I kind of wanted to make the theme of this finding your own way through parenting Mm -hmm. because there can be so much pressure on everything from the minute you find out. Like you say, your pregnancy maybe wasn't typical or typical to what people speak of. You know, you really didn't enjoy it. It wasn't a great place for you mentally. I've spoken to you privately before about how bodies changing and mm. how that that feels. Your mental health struggles, obviously, as you've said, were one of the ways that you found out you were pregnant. And here comes Miracle Wolf. How did you tackle that during pregnancy? How did the sort of wellness Roxy manage to find her way in what was for you actually a really dark time? Mm. Well, actually, during the pregnancy, I didn't. I actually didn't. I think it was the one thing the one thing I did do, which I think set me up for when Wolfie was born was I did a lot of like reading, research. I did a lot of visualization. As in I kept on visualizing myself post-pregnancy, having had Wolf and vowed that I would make my life the best it was going to be. I was Mm. never going to go back to that place. Um, And then other than that, I honestly didn't do a lot. I had a lot of like pregnancy massages because that was the only time that my mind would shut off. Okay. Um, But I didn't. I didn't really cope. I think I was so overwhelmed. And I think because in my head I thought I've just got to get to that birth. Like I was just kind of like. All roads to to that point. Yeah. So I was kind of just prepping myself from there. But what I did do after I had Wolf, because obviously it wasn't that I had Wolf and then suddenly I was like, great, I'm happy now. Ding. (laughs) Hello. Hello. Happiness. So, you know, it was... The first thing I did when I got home, I know that, and I say this to everybody, that if you want to feel better mentally, the place you must start is with how you fuel your body and what you put inside it. Mm. And funnily enough, I was watching this documentary on Netflix the other day about um, Philip Stutz, who's an amazing therapist. Mm -hmm. And he says in the documentary the exact same thing. And he says that actually it has, it makes up 80% of the healing journey. Mm. And I was like, oh, yay. You know, when you're like, what's a professional compliance? You've you've, you've made sense of all this. I was like, great. Yeah, thank you. So because I knew that as well, I, the day that Wolfie got home, I cut out all sugar, all like bad carbs, which Mm -hmm. I would say is like white bread, white pasta, that kind of thing. And I waited until I could start exercising, of course, but I was walking quite quickly, getting fresh air. Um, And that for me was my kind of first step. Sort of building up those little rituals. Yeah. Yeah. Because I I knew if I carried on eating sugar, for example mentally I would struggle more because of the impact that sugar has on your emotions, on your on your energy levels and how you feel. And I just wanted to put myself in the best possible position mm-hmm. to be able to mother and heal myself. Yeah. So Because you're doing two things at once here. Yeah. Right I was yeah. trying to grow wolf and myself mm-hmm. at the same time, essentially. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like mother us both. Yeah. Like um so those were kind of my starting points. And then for me it was as time went on it was finding different things I could add into my schedule whether that was meditation or journaling or you know really just getting proactive in mm-hmm. my work and who I wanted to be um, you know I think a lot of people there is an idea that kind of you have a baby and then you how will you manage everything else but I think mothers are like the busiest people on earth Uh, (laughs) and so actually they there's a great quote which says if you want something done ask a busy person and so it kind of got me in that productive mindset because you know in this first three months it's like a conveyor belt it's like the washing it's oh my god the milk yeah the the bottles the 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 nappies that the sterilizing and so you're kind of getting in a routine naturally yourself yeah even though it's like complete mayhem and Wolfie had really bad reflux so you know you become good at juggling yeah you're weird and you're not supposed to and just what's weird is you don't think you're good at juggling Mm. you're like oh my goodness there's just so much here but you're like actually i've done a lot in this day today (laughs) i I bloody got it done and and you're you're so right it's kind of 
one of those things that I've never met a parent that isn't busy. Yeah. Like it's true. Like whether that means you're a stay-at-home mom and you don't and you don't go to work. Running a house is, you know, some people go to work for an escape. Like it is the busiest job in the world. It really, really is. And yeah, it kind of that really must have set you up for the future, really. Like, okay, I can I can do this. I can for me a busy brain is a happy brain, as I said to you before, and I kind of I need that. And sometimes I'm like, okay, might have overkilled it a little bit. I'll, I'll wind down for a second. It's the constant cycle. Yeah. Really busy, burn out, recover. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> basically pretty much how it goes. You chose not to breastfeed yeah. for your own mental health. Mm-hmm. How did you get to that decision? I knew, actually, the whole time I was pregnant. Mm-hmm. I think it just never was something that I was really keen to do. I had so much self-loathing. I could not look in the mirror. I could not see myself. I could not. I was so detached from myself. Mm. The thought of breastfeeding just did not feel right to me at all. I had no self-love. So it was just, it just didn't feel right. Yeah. Um, And so I expressed for, I think, three or four weeks, which was great. And I felt really lucky that I had a good supply and that was good. And then weaned down and went straight to formula Mm -hmm. and felt like, you know what, there's really good formula out there. And I also wanted to be open about it because so many women can't breastfeed, you know, like they want to, but they can't. And then they judge themselves or they think it's letting their children down. And hey, I could and I chose not to. And I don't think I'm letting my child down. (laughs) So I hope that that will like give... Yeah, and it's quite an archaic opinion. You do feel like you're being judged. Mm -hmm. You know, if people... I remember... I had a cesarean and I didn't breastfeed. And that was like, oh, well, almost have to say, well, what are you doing then? You know, what, what are you, are you having this baby or not? And it, it, it's really that outside noise and that judgment. I actually couldn't, I couldn't take to it at all. It wasn't latching and I just was like, oh my goodness, I hate this. Mm. So I didn't with Alaya. I then didn't try with Valley. I literally, mm. when I had her, they were like, we can give you a tablet if you want to dry up your milk. And I took it. I was like, yeah, yeah I'll have that, please. I yeah. can't, I don't feel connected to this at all. Mm. And then weirdly with Blake, I was like, I'm going to breastfeed. No. Yeah. Oh, I love that. So I did two. I couldn't even tell you what the experience is like because I tried with the layer and I just really didn't feel mm. right. I didn't. I couldn't. I was like, this isn't for me. Um, and like I felt like it was really weird. I was getting like really leaky boobs in the pregnancy, and then as soon as she was here, they they were a bit like, like no, we're no, not, we're not here yeah, for this. I just didn't have a good supply at all. And then I think I was a little bit, and I was young, right? I was mm. pregnant with her at twenty three. I was so young. yeah. When I look at it now, it was young, yeah. And I was in the girl band, and I was really worried about letting everyone down. We had a single that was going to be out, and I was like, "Oh my goodness, oh God, that is a lot." It was a, when I look back now, I'm like, "Someone should have." Marvin tried, but I didn't listen. But someone should have just stopped me. Like whether that was the record label, I'm not trying to point the finger at anybody, yeah. or whether that was management, I don't know. But someone should have probably said, "Take some time." I mean, I'm a headstrong woman, and so maybe they wouldn't have got very far. But do you know what I mean? I think when yeah. I look back, I'm like, that is a lot to do. You know, you've just had a baby. And I think I didn't really appreciate what my body had done yeah. um, until afterwards. I, I was very adamant I wasn't doing that again, you know. Um, so, yeah, I think. And then it, I really, with Blake, I absolutely loved it. And I, I don't know if it's because I had him in the October of lockdown. So we went back into that sort of... You know, the lockdown that wasn't yeah, the lockdown, yeah. but was. So I, there was no rush for me to get back to work. Mm. So I think I really just, I had two of them in school and I was just like, this is my thing. This oh. is going to be my mission. And so I, and I actually really sort of, I didn't do it forever. I did it for three months, but I really enjoyed it. And and, and I was actually really happy that I changed mm. my opinion on it. Yeah. You know. That's so nice. It, it was nice, but ha- what would be your, because it's quite a bold thing when you say I'm not breastfeeding and mm. I've been there and seen the looks that sometimes you get or the opinions of elders mm. or however that looks. What 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 do you do to block out that outside noise and that judgment, I suppose? Do you know what? Considering how obsessed I was with being liked and so desperate for people to like me and not judge me and all those things... Mm. 
I am so grateful for all the inner work and self-development I've done because I genuinely do not care what other people think. I love that. And I really do mean that. That is not me think saying it and then actually I'm at home crying. Like, mm-hmm. I genuinely don't care because I feel like I also don't pass judgment on other people. Yeah. And so it's two ways. So I think... Firstly, I don't judge any mum for doing whatever they want to do. So I'm probably also not thinking about them judging me because I'm not doing it. Because it's not an option. Yeah, because I think that if you're constantly judging other people, you're also reinforcing an an idea and assumption that people are judging you. Mm. And I'm not going around judging anyone, so I'm not really thinking. I don't think anyone's thinking about me at all. Yeah, it's a really nice place to be. (laughs) You're so right. It's nice. I don't think anybody's sat there going, oh, it's great she's doing that. But I also don't think about them saying it the other way around. Mm -hmm. And if they are, it really has nothing to do with me. Mm. And I feel that that comes with like lots of work that I've done on myself, like I say, to just feel really strong and confident in my own decision. And part of self-love is building self-trust and self-trust comes from trusting your own decisions and being able to go, this is what is right for me and I'm going to honor it and stick with it. And anybody else's opinion on it really just means nothing. Everything is about the meaning you attach to it. And I attach no meaning to other people's opinions. So beautiful. It's so, honestly, that is like, that for me has come with age, I think. Mm. And I'm not sure, you know, and I think just, I I can really block out people Mm. (laughs) and noise. And I, sometimes to a fault, actually, Mm. I'm like, we'll try with people and I'm such a people person and I will literally do anything for you. But the minute you wrong me in a way that's sort of gone past repair. Totally. I can't see you in a room. I am the same. It's like wild, but to the point where it's like probably bad, you know, because. No, I get it. But it protects me in my space. And yeah. I, I'm literally like, okay. And it, it gets to a point where I've tried and tried. And then mm. I'm like, oh, that person doesn't exist. And I wouldn't think or see that person again. Totally. It's crazy, isn't it? I so relate to that. It's so, it's, it's but I think scary. basically do not fuck with Rochelle. <laughs> this is what we've learned. Because no, she won't exist. <laughs> Sounds like I'm going to be out here killing people. (laughs) Well, has there been anything else, you know, whether that's pregnancy or whether that's, you know, you you said breastfeeding for you. Is there, has there been anything else, you know, on your parenting journey that you've been sure about? Like the breastfeeding, you knew that wasn't for you and that's fine. That's Mm. not how, that's not the route you were going to take. Is there anything else that you've been like, this is how I raise my son or this is, and I don't care. Well, I know you don't care what people think anyway. She don't care. She don't care. <laughs> it makes me, you know no, I so love funny? it. I Isn't love it, it funny? Because it makes... The, the idea of not caring sounds like you have to be a bitch to be like yeah, that. It's and so it's true. like, you don't. No. You can be... I'm a really nice person. You're a lovely girl. But I but also but don't you also care. don't have to care. I'm so You can you. be both. Yeah. It sounds harsh, doesn't yeah. it? You deliver it, but it's yeah. true. I don't... I wish you say I don't mind. Yeah. Yeah. Is that better? No, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, That's what shit. I mean. <laughs> Um, basically so no I think I I don't know if it's really a thing but I'm probably really bad in that I have I'm really not not a disciplinarian never Mm. tell Wolfie off he sleeps in my bed every night um which I think is something I never thought I would do Mm -hmm. I was like from I think from, honestly, the week... Because our room, his room used to be next to mine. So from, like, a, he, when he was a week old, he wasn't in my room. I probably should say that because I don't think that's you're not meant to do that. But he was, from whenever, mm-hmm. from very early on, yeah. he was not in my room. Mm-hmm. It was, my room is my room. He'll never sleep in a bed with yeah. me. I'll never put... I was, I, was, I was really strict. And then when me and Wade separated, he... I, you know, I have a big bed and... I thought I'll just put him in for a few nights so that I don't have to get him milk in the night. I don't yes. have to go out. Mm-hmm. And now he's three and a half and he does me every night. And I fucking love it. <laughs> and you know what? I'm never going to, until he wants to get out, he's staying with me. I love it so much. Oh. I think because especially where I've been really busy with work and I have, I have sacrificed some weekends with him mm-hmm. where I've been working and more time than maybe I would have liked. Um, you know, I try to be as, as present as I am, but you know, you can't do everything all the time. No. And so I think for me, where I had would be really busy. I really liked that I'd have that, like him that next time to me. With him and that and closeness. Like, yeah. And that yeah. wake up and it's so, and he loves it. And yeah. Of course he, I think that's like the biggest treat. If the girls are like, 
and that Blake's not old enough to sort of know as yet. But if if Marv's away for like a few days working or whatever that is, they're like they tear up. They're like, mm, so Daddy's away. Yeah. Like it's like the biggest treat. Like can I sleep in your bed? And it is that little closest. And I know like, or if they have a night where they're poorly, like the other night Blake was, you know, something something else he brought home from nursery, which is lovely. Um, you know, a cold, fluey thing. So he slept with me because I can't, I then worry a little bit. And then Marv got in and it was like three in a bed. But I loved it. I was like, I love this so much. And Marv was like, don't get him used to this. But <laughs> they kind of, I think my kids are actually so not used to it. The girls were all right, but he actually didn't sleep great because I think he was like, He's like, Why get me here? out. Like, literally, and he woke up and I'm just looking at him like, <laughs> like a crazy <laughs> mum. You're like, being weird. Stroking his hair. He's like, mum, are you sure? Please leave me alone. <laughs> Um, when I put on my social media today that I was talking to you, the amount of questions that I got about, first of all, everybody loves you. I think oh, it's just important that you know that. You know, people just don't tell you, but they love you. They're like, yes, I love her. I follow her. I've read her book. And the question that I got asked quite a few times was actually about co-parenting mm. because they that was that was the thing I love her. I love the way that she talks about co-parenting and how it looks for her. And she's open. And I think. It's, it, which is a really refreshing approach. I think when people talk about their relationships generally or about their family life, people really take comfort in that and relate to it. Mm. And I got asked frequently, how do you make it all work? Because you seem like you have a great relationship mm-hmm. with Wade, Wolf's dad, and you seem the best of friends. You do lots together. Yeah. And it seems like the dream co-parenting scenario did it always look so good? No. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I, it really is amazing. It is. In fact, he's actually moving back in in January for six weeks. And he's going to live in Wolfie's room for a bit just while he's in between two places. <laughs> I love that. And I was like, wow, okay, we really are going very doing well now. Especially <laughs> um, because Wolfie's, really good. he's like, Wolfie's bed is empty. And I was like, just move in for six weeks. There's no <laughs> point in you like finding an in between place. No, it really is. Um, it is amazing. And I feel really proud of it but it's you should you really should thank you we both worked really hard at it um it wasn't something that was gonna come naturally it never is you know the ending of any relationship is hard but usually when you end a relationship like you know you cut them out (laughs) they don't exist Roxy you know that (laughs) exactly okay and I can't be like you don't exist because you are the father of my child Mm -hmm. so you have to like remain in constant contact and it can become very quickly very toxic Mm. and I I think that we definitely saw that how that would happen like there were definitely times where we allowed resentment to build up and a lack of communication to really get in the way and then it just becomes mean yeah. Like it's horrible and that is so stressful. It affects every area of your life and I really, really like empathise and feel for anybody going through co-parenting where at the moment it's really difficult because it just, when you're when it's about your child and there's that like pa- like struggle of like Power who's struggle. gonna, yeah. 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 And having, and I always think, especially children are so innocent mm. and pure. And then to have this like tense, toxic environment around the child is even if they, you think you're protecting from it, them from it, they see it, they feel mm. it. And we actually went to um, a couple's counsellor and he said to us, look, the most important relationship um, between any, between like in a family Mm -hmm. isn't like you and Wolf or Wade and Wolf. It's the relationship between you, the two parents. Yeah. It's it's so integral for the child's feeling of safety. Mm. And so I think that really stuck with us. And I'm very lucky that Wade is also incredibly committed to bettering himself, to self-development, to open communication. Like he brought just as much kind of openness to making this work as I did, Mm -hmm. if not more. Like, he is so amazing. I'm so grateful for him. And, you know, I don't think all endings have to be sad. Like, we are family forever. We clearly love each other, have loved each other. We 
there is so many things that we we were reasons that we do get on and just because we don't want to be together romantically doesn't mean we have to then cut each other yeah. off and so it was you've got this... the most precious thing in common exactly and, <laughs> right? you, and you, you can't enjoy that with anyone else in the same way you know it's a really yeah. to you want to share those moments of him you know when because you think that your child is like the best thing on earth you can't share that with anyone else my mum so... used to say that when she was dating because she, she would always say I'm so happy that you and Marv have the relationship you have because she didn't have that with my dad and they kind of that was it cold like I didn't have him around and my mum would always say like those moments that you want to say oh my goodness wasn't she the best at the school play you can't really say that to your girlfriend or you can't say that to someone that perhaps someone was dating I'm sure that they would entertain it but not in the same she didn't feel it in the same way right so I think it's so nice that and you see, you see, I've got friends that are in relationships that kind of, and I'm and I'm really sort of against it, and always try to be the voice of reason where the child is used as like it's awful, as you know, as mm. some sort of tool in this mm-hmm. scenario, and like a there's this real power struggle of well, okay, then you want to do that, well, you're not seeing them. I really and struggle with that. I re- me too, and I think, and I have sat down with friends before and sort of tried to be the mediator to say, mm. look. I didn't have my dad around. I would have given anything to have him around as a child. And this isn't woe is me. But what I'm saying is you're, you're, he did that out of choice, right? Mm. You both want a parent equally here. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, that is the most important thing to both of you. Don't use him as a, totally. a, as a tool here. It's not that innocent child, you exactly. know. I completely agree. And I think that your child is not yours. It's nobody's possession. Like... It just, it, we can't, we don't possess our children. No. We just are here and we're responsible to making them feel as safe as possible, to giving them the best opportunities they can and to become the best version of themselves mm-hmm. that they can possibly be. And a part of that has to be swallowing your own pride, having acceptance, letting go of bitterness and resentment as hard as that is. Yeah, because it can be really hard, right? Of course it can. And it's not easy, but... When you come to something, that first step of kind of really just going, do you know what? I am just going to accept what is. Mm. I'm going to accept that, yeah, they really fucked me over or they really annoyed me or they really hurt me. I'm going to accept it. And maybe you don't go as far as to forgive them yet, but Mm. you can start that journey and know that if you can at least come halfway with some respect and kindness because you know what often happens we go I wish you know they don't respect me at all and then you're kind of like treating them just as badly as that you're accusing them of treating you it's like okay how about just try to be the first person to say I'm just going to come out this with some kindness I'm just going to try and be nice like it is at the end of the day, me and Wade don't do anything special. We're just quite nice to each other. Yeah. And we show each other gratitude. And I say, thank you so much for doing that nursery pickup or thanks for this or whatever. We just try to be nice. Mm-hmm. And if you can be the first person, you will make your life easier. It's very hard for somebody. I mean, it's, it would be a very rare circumstance that you come to someone with genuine kindness and gratitude and a willingness to just like let the past be past mm. and move forward and they don't meet you with that and life is just so much better oh my gosh exactly you just breathe a fr- like that's such good advice air. you're so right you're so right because at the end of the day you can't you can't be stubborn with parenting it's those points that you like you say if it was if there's a different situation you might never call that person again and that's okay and you're allowed to feel like that but it looks very different when yeah. there's a little one involved doesn't it totally i just want to touch on because this is something that to me is really big. And I think particularly because of what we were talking about earlier, like with our elders and our parents, they're not really having an understanding about mental health and how that looks for children. I'm really aware that like things that happen in your childhood do stay with you. So I'm always trying to make the house the happiest space and, you know, not to little things about body image or however I'm raising two young women, however that looks, I'm always trying to sort of, I'm conscious and I'm always thinking about, oh my gosh, am I going to put them in therapy when they're older? (laughs) You know what I mean? That's always at the back of my brain. What do you do with Wolf? How does wellness and your... I suppose the way you parent look 
yeah for me there's kind of like three pillars I would say Mm -hmm. the first is emotional safety and validation so really um it's really important that we are able to like hold a space for our children to feel the full spectrum of emotions Mm -hmm. so if wolf is angry okay and he's like screaming what I don't want to do is go wolf shut up or like stop being angry or shut down his emotions Uh. and instead I'm able to I you know I think patience is something that probably this work has taught me I used to be a very reactive like hot-headed Arab I'm a bit more patient now (laughs) but I'm able to sit with it and just go why are you angry that's okay tell me how you're feeling are you or I'll say are you sad are you angry and then just let him do it right without coming at him with the same energy because then you're just te- you're just teaching him that well, that's how to react. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I try to never ever react in that way, and hold space for him to do that. And the same if he feels scared, like mm. when he's afraid, not being like, "Don't be scared." You're you know, so we're, right. We're constantly, don't don't be this. Don't. Basically, what we do a lot, and and this isn't, and and anything I'm saying is not to pass judgment. I'm mm. o- I'm only just giving my opinion. But often, and I definitely know a lot of us have parented this way. You are condemned for feeling anything other than joy. <laughs> if you are angry or sad or scared, you will be punished. Love taken away from you. Your top, whatever it is, you know that ex- may sound extreme, but that's essentially what happens. Mm. And so we, it's very confusing for a young child. Like children don't know how to process what they're feeling, and when they don't know how to process their feelings, I think it causes like a traumatic experience within the body. Yeah. And so emotional validation and safety is like key, is like allowing them to do that. The other one, I think, is um, really trying to instill this kind of sense of gratitude um, and teach them how to have this attitude of gratitude. Because mm. I was never taught how to like look at life on the bright side, so to speak. I was taught the opposite. So I'm constantly trying to say to Wolfie, like, what was your favorite? You know, he's too young to understand the word gratitude. But I'll say, what was what's the your favorite thing about today? Yeah. Or, and then what was another thing that happened today that was good? And that I always, positive outlook. Yeah, so I'm always trying to get him to focus his attention on the good in his life. And I think with anyone with kids, you know, gratitude practices are so easy to do as a family, like around the dinner table every night or whatever. It's such a it's such a fun and easy thing mm-hmm. to do. And you will literally train their brains to focus on the good. Yeah. So it's you have such power as a parent in how their brains are wiring. Planting the seeds yeah. almost, yeah. And then the third one is self-belief. And that's really helping them to really believe that they can be whoever they want to be. Mm. I just released my manifest match and on the back of all of them is my, of the kids stuff is my dedication to Wolf, which is be whoever you want to be. Because that's what we really want to be able, that self-confidence is so key Mm. to children. And especially for me, from a manifestation point of view, that is everything. Absolutely. Those are my three kind of parenting pillars. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're beautiful ones. They're beautiful ones. (laughs) So two questions that I always like to ask my guests are, what is the biggest thing you've learned about yourself since becoming a parent and what are you still trying to figure out? Um, I think I've learned about myself probably, and I don't mean this to sound big-headed at all, but I think I've learned that I'm, 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 I've, I've seen how soft I am. I wow. think like because you know in work you're mm-hmm. always in that kind of like quite masculine energy yes. and mm-hmm. it's a very different energy and actually being a mum I get to be in the best version of myself which yeah. is that really soft nurturing and, tapping into that feminine yeah. side of you and I love who I am with Wolf I love mm-hmm. who he makes me who he brings out in me oh. so that's been like my favorite thing I've learned mm-hmm. about myself what am I still figuring out I am still figuring out how to set boundaries because I'm so obsessed with wanting to make him feel emotionally safe that I am basically nurturing a total brat. Like, he is going to be in therapy for all the other reasons. He's like, I never got told no. What do you mean I can't have anything I want? So I am really trying to figure yeah. out, like, Andrew's a tell. I do need to, like, say no to him sometimes. <laughs> so I'm, I really, I need to do that a bit more. It's so true. We're either going one way yeah. or another, but There's we? no perfect parent, No, is it? no, it's all trying, we're all trying to find the balance. Yeah. We're all trying to find the balance. <laughs> OK, 
Okay, so this part of the show is called My Little Tips. And I would like to know, what's the best way to get our kids to start manifesting from a young age? Love this. So I think the first one would be affirmations. And you've got your affirmation cards, which are perfect. So I think daily affirmations, daily gratitude practices, um, and like little mini goal setting for them. So what would you like, what was one thing you'd like to do this week? Mm. or what's one thing you'd like to achieve in this school year depending on their age mm-hmm. so obviously you can't really nice. I wouldn't vision board a year ahead for Wolf because he'd be like <laughs> we did that yesterday I don't like <laughs> Peppa Pig anymore yeah, like, <laughs> like he doesn't understand time but you know as they get out like set goals depending on their yeah, age that's so and get nice. them kind of visualising and stuff like that yeah. yeah and that's really nice for back to school isn't it what would yeah. you like to achieve this school term yeah I'm going to do that. I've not done that. Yay. Thanks very much. I like that tip. Well, that was beautiful. (laughs) Thank you. That was such a nice, honest, open chat. And I know that there's going to be so much take home from that. Honestly, you're so wise. Oh, you don't, you don't realize. Honestly, you are, you are. It's so nice to listen to what you've got to say on everything because you come from such a nice place. I just can't stop looking at how beautiful you are. I literally just stare at you. I'm like, God, you're so stunning. But I mean, that's oh my God. not today. Thank <laughs> no, you very much. It's very kind. Okay, thank you so, so much. I've been so excited to do this and so honoured. Thank, thank you. you. Such an inspiring conversation. And it's so true that we can all learn things from each other. But what we also need to do is find our own way of doing things as parents that feels right for us absolutely love that Roxy is amazing and I hope you enjoyed that too I'll be back again next week with another wonderful guest so make sure you follow the My Little Coco podcast wherever you get your podcasts to make sure you get all the latest episodes as soon as they're available also do get in touch I love to hear what you think of the show just like Arga has she says I love listening to your podcasts I don't have children yet but I'm a nanny and I've worked with children for years I love sticking on the podcast while I'm making dinner I'm learning so much Arga really nice of you to say so and it's good to hear this podcast is helping not just parents but people working with children too Thanks so much for getting in touch. If you've been enjoying the show or found it helpful, then please do leave a review or send me an email to customerservices at mylittlecoco.co.uk. For more helpful products and inspiration on all things baby, visit the advice section on boots.com today. You'll also receive helpful advice and inspiration completely tailored to your stage of pregnancy or for the age of your child. And if you download the Boots app, you'll receive digital offers too. As most of you know, My Little Coco is stocked exclusively at Boots. And as a little treat for everyone, they're offering 15% off of My Little Coco products online. You just need to use the code MYLITTLECOCO15. The code will run for four weeks from March the 1st to the 22nd of March. Thanks again to my sponsor Boots and of course, as always, to you lovely lot for listening.